Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Monica, oh man, I am so glad I wore shorts in Vegas because I absolutely lost my pants at the sports book <laughs> in Vegas. Yep, I wish I knew you're such an easy mark. I would take you more often. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew I was such an easy mark so I wouldn't bet it all the time. <laughs> Holy moly. But I was happy because I got to eat some awesome food all around Vegas and off the strip and on the strip. The good news, I walked about 18,000 steps a day. So That's a lot. Yeah. It neutralized some of my in and out burgers and greasy chicken fried steaks and tacos and everything else. I, I saw ate, a lot so. of lobster rolls and fruity desserts. Yeah. A lot of lobster rolls. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it was not planned. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yes, a lot of fruity drinks, lots of pineapples and Malibus and daiquiris and pina coladas. Yeah. <laughs> pina coladas are like 18 bucks at the pool. Why? It's like because, it, because they extort money from you. It's, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. BYOB, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good to know. Vegas on a note, budget. <laughs> note to self bring a blender, <laughs> bring your ninja or Vitamix to, <laughs> to pack it back into your carry on. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our show. It is episode 28 of the Seattle Foodie Podcast. Everyone that's listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for reviewing and give us a five-star review. We love you all and thank you so much. Let's get on to our show. We've got some great recaps, a couple events, and a fun and interesting interview. And Monica, let's get on with the show. I have a fun recap for you. This past Saturday, Peony Kitchen hosted a foodie social Instagrammer event and their dishes brought all the Instagrammers to the yard. <laughs> Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. They didn't serve milkshakes, though. Peony Kitchen brought <laughs> out over 25 dishes for all of us to shoot pictures and consume. Some of the featured dishes included the multicolored pan-fried Kiribota pork buns, the whole five spiced crispy duck, organic free-range tea-smoked chicken. This was my favorite. The tongue po pork belly and clay pot, the English squid ink baked rice, and the whole sautéed lobster and sticky rice. There were two mm. of those that got that came out, and that was the, that was the showstopper. That was the one that ended it all. And of course, we were in the presence of who's who of Seattle foodie Instagrammers. Monica, there were so many to name off. Normally, we name off like who they all are and who was there. You're just going to have to see our stories because there's just there was like 15 foodie Instagrammers from Seattle. Yeah, no, there are a lot of people there for sure. And lots and lots of great food. Um, crispy duck with crispy skin. I, I just, there's there's no way to even describe like how good that is and how tender and juicy and fatty that meat was. Um, I loved it. Uh, what were some of your favorite dishes, Nelson? Oh, for me, the English squid ink baked rice, because I can't find that anywhere else other than Peony Kitchen in Bellevue. Mm. There's not a lot of people that serve squid ink. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of an, an adventurous dish. I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of people see black and they're like, "Ew, I'm, I'm getting away from that. So <laughs> I think that was that was good. I love the presentation from the organic free range tea smoked chicken. Mm -hmm. In the dome shape, they infuse smoke into it. And then when they bring it to the table, they lift it up and the smoke comes out. You can really taste the smoke in the chicken, though, in the whole chicken. That's that's kind of my favorite part. Yeah, and, me too. And of course, you can't. I mean, lobster. 
Lobster. She's her lobster. Anyway. So. <laughs> well, you know, we didn't talk about my favorite dish, which is the um, the tomatoes soaked in lychee juice. Um, oh, yeah. And that's yeah. been one of my favorites since I started going to Peony years ago. And so a lot of people didn't know what that was when we were there. And so I just quietly was eating glass after glass of it. <laughs> and so people started asking me what it was, started telling them. And then they started eating it. I'm just like, great, now I have to share. Um, but yeah. it's my favorite, favorite, favorite thing there. Yeah, not a lot of people were eating. I like the eggplant too. Not a lot of people were eating your vegetables. Eat your vegetables, kids. Everybody, <laughs> eat your vegetables. Everybody went for the chicken and the proteins and the, the beef. buns. The, the buns, buns are gone so yeah. quickly. They're gone so quickly. But the best stuff was the tomatoes and the and the other side dishes. So mm-hmm. eat your vegetables, kids. Monica, before that, we headed up to Capitol Hill and tell us about that event that we went to. Absolutely. So Saturday morning, we kicked things off by attending a private lunch party at Heritage Distilling Company's Capitol Hill location for the BSB, which is Brown Sugar Bourbon Smoked Salmon event. So this sweet collaboration blends Heritage Distilling's award-winning brown sugar bourbon with sea bear smoky salmon. So these are two local companies making excellent products came together in this collaboration. And we got a chance to try Spirited Flights, and there were also cocktails there paired with a salmon flight, which we've had before. Y'all have heard us talk about sea bear before. Uh, Nelson, what was your favorite? It's got to be the HDC mango flavored vodka, Mm -hmm. and they paired it with the sea bear traditional smoked salmon. Mm -hmm. The vodka, you can taste the mango flavor, Mm -hmm. and you can also smell it too. And it had that really sweet taste. And you know me, I I usually tend to have a sweeter note when it comes to the Mm -hmm. alcohol. So that was probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the original BSB brown sugar bourbon. Mm-hmm. We don't talk much about, we, we've talked a lot about Sea Bear in the past. We didn't get to talk much about Heritage Distilling Company. Mm-hmm. We talked about them last week, but not only do I love the spirit flights, I also love the cocktail flights too, mm-hmm. the Bavonda flights. Mm-hmm. My favorite was especially the Clickitat Daisy Bavonda because it had that little citrus note to it with a little bit of pepper spice, a little bit of kick to it. Absolutely. And I think like you, I mean, we have a pretty similar profile. And so those are my top two favorites as well. That vodka and the BSB bourbon, just my absolute favorites. You know, the thing about Heritage is you're right. We haven't talked much about them. Uh, They were just telling us that they got back from from Denver, Colorado, and they came home with 65 medals. So there's like when we say award winning, it's award winning. Like they are out there um, and they are absolutely killing it. And they are partnered with so many people in the area that you're probably drinking their stuff and you don't even know anywhere from like the Seahawks to the Mariners to, to tons and tons of places. Um, so be on the lookout for them. You can pretty much find their products anywhere because they're the largest independent craft distillery in Washington state. And you can find Sea Bear products online and at all made in Washington stores. Monica, one last recap for us before we get into the events. We got to spend a fun Sunday afternoon previewing the new spring menu for Seattle Restaurant Week for Deadline in Pioneer Square. Monica, I've been to the restaurant next door, Damn the Weather, but I always walk by Deadline. I've always wanted to try it, and we finally got to try it today. What'd you think? Have you been there before? I've never been there before. Like you, I've been to Damn the Weather many times. Um, First time at Deadline. And I have to say, I thought that the dishes were beautifully plated, very thoughtful, for lack of a better word, complete. I mean, the dishes were really, really yummy. And maybe you can tell folks about that. We got to try out some amazing dishes and we got to spend some time with our friends too. Mm-hmm. Some of our foodie friends, TSP Yum Seattle, MonMon.Eats, Bradley House, and My Septic and Stomach. All of the dishes were served were hits mm-hmm. and they included the 
cannellini bean toast with broccolini, poached egg, and fried onions. Great twist on toast because tons of avocado toast and derivatives of it. I loved it that they did, did it with cannellini beans mm-hmm. and, uh, on there. Then they went with the flank steak with arepas and tomato confit and crema. And then your favorite was the shrimp and grits with pork belly and brown butter on a bed of polenta. Mm-hmm. And then for dessert, they were just, they were sampling things. So mm-hmm. in spoons, they were, it was flan with compressed cinnamon apples, vanilla cookies, and edible flowers. So many complex notes in that dessert. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Now they're previewing the menu and we were just, we got a sneak preview of it because they're getting prepared for Seattle restaurant week that is coming up in April in the springtime. They just wanted our feedback and kind of check out what they are. And I thought those dishes were hits. So when what do you think? Yeah, I love them too. And you're absolutely right. The shrimp and grits was my favorite. Um, I'm a sucker for shrimp and grits every time. But um, I was literally, you know, asking everybody on the table, are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? Um, it was some pretty serious stuff. But also going back to the cannellini being toast, I actually love grilled broccolini. And like, you can always just, you know, call me over if you've got some like really nice charred broccolini, I'll come right over. For sure. Yeah, I I can't agree more. I mean, mm-hmm. I love broccolini and broccolini on sandwiches with, with like pork or porchetta. Oh, mm-hmm. the best, the best. Yeah, so good. Uh, Seattle Restaurant Week is from April 7th to the 18th, Sunday through Thursday. So make sure you book early for places like Deadline because they will be filled up. And I think Deadline is going to be one of those restaurants um, I would recommend for our Seattle Restaurant Week. Mm-hmm. I would agree. All right. Well, that's pretty much fun. all our fun recaps. Let's move on to some events. Monica, I'm so excited for this one that you're about to tell us because they're back. It was one of our summer hits of last year, and I'm excited. So tell us about where Mike Shave Ice is popping up. Oh, Mike Shave Ice, if you guys are listening, we have been waiting, waiting for so long for this day. So on Saturday, March 30th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Mike Shave Ice is having their first pop-up of the season, and it's going to be at Cafe Kai in Bremerton. And so it's a great day to hop on a ferry or take a drive around the sound, and it's just we just missed that Hawaiian-style shave ice. You can grab pre-made combos. They haven't announced a menu yet, but pre-made combos. Or you can build your perfect combo using Mike's house-made syrups, the strawberries, my favorite, ice cream, and other toppings. And if you're looking for Cafe Kai, that's located at 2518 Wheaton Way in Bremerton. And Nelson, while they're there, they should grab some musubi, right? Yes, I haven't grabbed the. I haven't tried the musubi yet. I would need to. I, I need to drive. Uh, not drive down. I need to take the ferry down because yeah. I'm not going to drive all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And so musubi and sometimes pork cash and a little known thing. Unless you 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 go there, um, Cafe Kai actually makes really great coffee drinks. They do a lot of really nice macadamia nut coconut flavors that I think you would love, Nelson. Oh yeah. Sign me up for the macadamia syrup. I'm all over that. And Monica, we've missed Mike Shave Ice so much. We had to drive down to Portland to get Shave Ice, just to get our Shave Ice fix. I know, right? And so yeah. Mike's, we've been waiting, waiting and waiting. I know. Thank God they're back. Thank God. <laughs> Nelson, what do you got? Monica, every year, the Martin Luther King Business Association has promoted this food event to help support independently owned restaurants in the Southeast Seattle area, Martin Luther King Way District, Beacon Hill, Othello, Mount Baker, Hillman City, and Columbia City neighborhoods. So all around that Southeast Seattle, Rainier Avenue area. 
<laughs> and it's called the Plate of Nations. Plate of Nations gives people in Seattle a chance to support immigrant and POC-owned restaurants that are all over Seattle. And it's helping to support small businesses and also giving people an opportunity to help support pushing back against displacement. There are so many diverse restaurants participating and each restaurant is offering a specially designed shareable plate to restaurant visitors around $20 to $30. And let me just kind of list off some of the restaurants mm-hmm. because some of them are really popular. And mm-hmm. some of those participating restaurants include Cafe Ibex, Fulam, Huangdong, Rainier Restaurant, which was featured on one of Anthony Bourdain's shows, No Reservations, as well as Big Chicky, Cafe Red, Buddha Brada. You you like Buddha Brada, right, Monica? Oh, yeah, I do. Of course. Oh, yeah. Tacos Chukis, Comfort Zone, and a lot more I didn't mention. I've done this before. These are like 20 to $30 plates to share. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. isn't like, please don't think like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive, 20 to $30. No, this feeds like two to three people, guys. So mm-hmm. um, they're shareable plates. All these restaurants are participating as well as so many more. I think I didn't, I think there's maybe eight to 10 more I didn't list as well. So go mm-hmm. to the planetofnations.com website. And from March 22nd to April 7th, go ahead and participate. Help support your local businesses and all your local independent restaurant owners. For sure. And you know, Nelson, I have to say it's really hard to stump me. But when you told me about this event like a couple months ago, I actually hadn't heard of it. And you know, I live way on the north side, but still, I usually know what's going on around town. So you found an event that I didn't know about. And I know we don't talk very often about supporting immigrant and POC owned businesses, but it is something that we do. And so it's a really good opportunity. Um, A lot of these small businesses are subject to leases and sometimes they can't get their leases renewed. Sometimes they can't make enough money to pay increases um, given the cost of doing business in Seattle. And so I really love hearing about this. So thank you for sharing it. Yes, they've been, the MLK Business Association has been doing Plate of Nations since 2011. So Mm -hmm. keep on supporting them, please. And visit all those places that I mentioned, as well as the other ones that I didn't mention. Monica, how about one more event to tell us about? One more event is really a suite of events. So Taste Washington is back from March 28th to March 31st. So basically the deal is if you love food and wine, you should check out these events. So there are more than 235 wineries and 65 restaurants participating. You are sure to find anything and everything to eat and drink at the Grand Tasting on Saturday and Sunday. So basically you can go on one day, either Saturday or Sunday, or you can buy a pass for both days, but get your tickets soon because they do sell out. Prices range from $95 to $145. And just so you all know, I've been to the Grand Tasting before and you don't need to worry. You're going to eat your fill, believe me. It's hard for like I'm used to doing food crawls and I can tell you that I can't make it through that place. I mean, I get full before I see all the vendors. So I would recommend that you have a plan of attack, find out who's going to be there and then go see them. Because if you're like me and just eat whatever comes first, then you'll be all full. Uh, (laughs) Nelson, have you been to Taste Washington before? I have not personally been to Taste of Washington, no. Well, it is something. And they um, one of the things that they do um, is I saw a couple of the newspapers highlighting some of the wineries as well, because same thing, you're doing wine tasting people, not wine drinking. <laughs> and so if you <laughs> actually drink all the wine, it's not going to go well for you. So have a plan of attack about the wineries that you want to visit. That's really important. But if you can't make it to the grand tasting and you decide you want more of a special custom event, there's going to be featured chefs all weekend long, like Rachel Yang, 
uh, Ethan Stoll, Eduardo jo- Jordan, and our favorite, Melissa Miranda. Yay, um, Melissa! <laughs> right? Congrats. Yeah. Shout out to Melissa Miranda of Musong, who successfully exceeded her Kickstarter amount this last weekend. And so we can expect Filipino food to return to Beacon Hill. That's right. Exceeded by miles. Miles. Yes, like yes. blew them away. Blew them away. Blew, blew the Kickstarter right? away. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically in just a couple of days, just it must have been what, $30,000 just came in and just like, yeah. It yeah. was just, wow, it was a lot of money. Yeah. Monica, um, thank you for making that $30,000 donation. Yes, 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 yes. Glad you recognize Nelson. <laughs> I know. I know you put down as, I know you put it down as anonymous, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know who you did, who did it. For sure. And so the deal is Taste Washington has a little something for everybody, whether it's, uh, you know, a special evening in an intimate setting with a famous chef in Seattle or more of a tasting, again, tasting, not eating and drinking folks. Uh Um, A variety of packages and options are available at tastewashington.org. We've been to similar events like that, like remember Mm -hmm. the food and wine experience. And just to let people know, there are a lot of wineries. So if you love wine... I've had it. And this one's got 235. Is that yes, correct? That's wow. right. It's this is it. Stop eating after Thursday, guys. Just, just, For to, real. just FYI. And, Man. and Nelson, I have to tell you, having been to tons of events, this is the one. I mean, I'm not joking. I can't make it through. Um, yeah. and, and you know me, I can eat with the best of them and oh. I don't make it. <laughs> no, I can't it, make, make it. It makes sense when you have 65 restaurants and 235 mm-hmm. wineries participating. Sure. I mean, that's, that's a lot of bites and a lot of, a lot of red and white <laughs> wine being passed out. So yeah, sounds like a fun event. Like I said, purchase those tickets cause they're still available. Mm-hmm. Taste of Washington, or you can take the ferry to Mike Shea Vice. Mm-hmm. I, I can get some Mike Shea Vice there. <laughs> also plate of nations is running throughout the entire week for the next two weeks as well so awesome yeah lots of fun things lots of fun things to do yep. all right monica let's get into our interview and like i said this is a unique interview because we've never had a farmer before and this week's mm-hmm. interview is with kai Otteson, farm manager and puget sound food hub farmer with headland farms kai has been with headland, headland farms for over 13 years and as part of the puget sound food hub Farms like Headland and more than 60 participating local farms provide access to wholesalers to purchase fresh food and produce all year round. Puget Sound Food Hub works with wholesalers to provide all these fresh products from local farmers and food producers in Bellingham all the way down to Olympia to restaurants, grocery stores, hotels, hospitals, universities, you name it, all and so many other places. And these food products include fresh vegetables, fruit, dairy, cheese, eggs, meat, fish, honey, mushrooms, everything else you can think of. Here's our interview with Kai Otteson of Headland Farms. Hello, listeners. We're here today. Uh, it's Monica and Nelson, and we're here with Kai Otteson. Uh, and he's here today to talk about Headland Farms and Puget Sound Food Hub. And that's a farmer-owned cooperative connecting Western Washington farmers with wholesale buyers online. Welcome to the show, Kai. Thank you. I'm so excited because we've never had a Washington State farmer being interviewed with us for the Seattle Foodie Podcast. So this is this is exciting for us, and uh, I can't wait to hear all about Headland Farms and the Puget Sound Food Hub. Well, this is my first podcast, so this is exciting for me, too. I'll do my best to represent. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. So Kai, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started as a farmer. Sure. Um, so I've been full-time on Headland Farms for going on 12 years now. Um, it's a family operation. I'm part of the fourth generation on the farm. We've been farming in the in the lower Skagit Valley since 1906 when my great-grandfather came over from Denmark and 
looked enough like Denmark to call home. So here's where he stayed. We've farms changed a lot since then, obviously. Um, but um, like then, uh, today we grow seed crops, grains, um, but we've really expanded in the last the last 10, 15 years into our fresh market and organic operation, which is my primary involvement on the farm. And that's how that's how we became involved with the Puget Sound Puget Sound Food Hub as a way to reach reach buyers and customers um, all the way from Whatcom to Seattle. So you, you're talking about the certain crops that you grow on the farm. So what what crops do you deliver the wintertime and the springtime to, around Washington State? Yeah, it's the our fresh sheet winnows down quite a bit this time of year, but but even through, you know, from kind of December on, we've got, we've got squash, onions, shallots, cabbage, and then um, things get bright for us as we head into, into March, April, May, as our winter cauliflower comes on. It's a, it's a pretty amazing crop um, and one of my favorite ones to grow. We plant it, we plant that, these varieties of cauliflower in the fall, but there's all these different varieties that are bred to mature in succession. So one will come on in late March, another in early April, late April, early May. Um, so you get this, this whole run of, of cauliflower at a time when everyone else just has radishes and salad greens. It's, it's, uh, it's quite the coup. I just have to say that we got a, a sample of a lot of your winter squash and pumpkins um, that, that was delivered to us. And my family and I personally were so excited because we made pumpkin fried rice out of it. And it was so delicious. The winter squash and the pumpkins that you sent us is just amazing. That sounds amazing. I've never even thought of doing that. With yeah, there's a pumpkin. there's a restaurant that does it in Bellevue. And uh, we tried to replicate it. And pumpkins just really, really came out with the flavors. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we enjoyed everything that we sampled. And so thank you so much for that delivery. Um, for our listeners, our listeners might not necessarily make the connection to like what the impact is on them. So like, what is the Puget Sound Food Hub? And how does that impact like our listeners in terms of what they're eating and what they're buying around the, around the sound? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the Puget Sound Food Hub is a farmer owned cooperative, um, which is really different from the traditional wholesale mo- model where where a farmer grows a big a big block of something and sells it to a to a larger distributor who then you know who then moves it through a large network what the what the Puget Sound Food Hub does is it allows farmers to work together to to move their product to buyers but really maintain that direct relationship with with their customers so customers can reach out to the farmer directly um, if there's if there's a particular product they like they can see the they can see the products from you know all 60 of our member farms and food producers alongside each other so they can they can shop on they can shop on variety they can shop on you know organic status um, they can if there's someone has the quantity you know if they can't get all the quantity they need from one grower they can go to another farm to to round that out um, and so and so what that what that really makes a difference for the for the customer is in terms of freshness you know, our turnaround time is oftentimes we're, we're harvesting something the day before it's delivered to a customer. So it's incredibly fresh. And that, you know, that pays off. If you're a restaurant, that's, an, you know, oftentimes another four or five days, maybe even a week of shelf life mm-hmm. you have on a, on a product in your cooler before you have to use it up. It also means you choose from, from a selection of varieties and, you know, specialty varieties of, of squash, of shallots, mm-hmm. um, you know, cheeses and things that might not be available through a larger distributor mm-hmm. because work down into, you know, down into the single case, half case, sometimes even quarter case quantities of something. So if you just need a, a little, you know, a little bit of one thing, you can get that along with your, you know, 10 cases of lettuce for the weaker mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I mean, I was just thinking about uh, Nelson and I went to a brunch about two months ago. And I remember uh, one thing we were raving about that day at brunch wasn't necessarily the hot food. 
it was actually the produce. And so like for the listeners and for ourselves and for people who consume food, we actually might be, you know, un- unknowingly eating products from Headland Farms and other farms that they producers. And, and really it's, it's a great way to get that fresh shelf life. Like you said, like why it's so fresh because it's so quick. Absolutely. Kai, I have a question. Working with the Puget Sound Food Hub and Headland Farms, how has it helped improve Headland Farms operations or getting the product out to your out to the clients? Has it changed any or any? Yeah, it's been it's been a real evolution for us, um, I think. And you know, primarily we're we're a pretty diverse diversified farm in terms of, of what we grow and where we sell it. We do everything from a little farm stand here as you come into the town of O'Connor where we're based, all the way up to, to working with some larger distributors and, and everything in between. Um, restaurant and co-op sales. And, you know, we do some of those direct here, like to the, to the co-op in Skagit Valley. It's just a natural fit. But as we start looking at ways to, to expand our distribution beyond that, moving, you know, working with the Puget Sound Food Hub has really allowed us to focus on our, on our operation on the farming side of things and let them handle the, the distribution and the, the outreach to some of those accounts. Um, you know, it just doesn't, you know, from a, whether you look at it from, a, from an economic standpoint or an environmental standpoint, it just doesn't make sense to have 50 farms driving down to Seattle twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, why not put all that on one truck, customers that, that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach out to? It's also been a bit of a leap of faith in bringing some of our existing customers onto the hub and folks we were, we were delivering to. We used to drive up to the um, community food co-op in Bellingham, um, but realized as the, as the Puget Sound Food Hub came online that um, we could take, the, you know, we had to kind of take a leap of faith and realize that we'd be, you know, we'd be listing product alongside a bunch of other farms. But on the whole, it's worked out and it's, you know, any, any business we might have lost out onto another farm has, has more than been made up for by the expanded reach to, to customers we wouldn't otherwise be able to deliver to. That's great. I, I love that, that you're able to connect to your past clients and also there's an outreach for newer clients too as well. So I, that's, that's great benefit for that. Yeah, we, we sure think so. <laughs> All right, guys. So what does an average day in the life of a Washington, Washington State farmer look like? Oh man, there's, there's, there's no average day. Um, <laughs> it's, it varies hugely from year to year. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned briefly, we grow cabbage seed and I mentioned that winter cauliflower. So with this, with this snow this last mm-hmm. week, you know, four or five days in a row, we were out there spreading row cover over those, over those crops to give them a little frost, frost protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, just a little, a little blanket, that little, that little sheet of of row cover can add four, six degrees of, of frost protection can make all the difference between something, something surviving and something turning to, turning to mush in a, in a cold snap like this. So that's, you know, that's this time, of the, that's this time of year, you know, during the height of the summer, um, you know, I'm a day or a day or two a week, I might be at a farmer's market. I'm reaching out to customers and letting them know our availability, updating our listings on the, on the food hub. And, and if I'm really lucky, I get to spend a, a little time out on a tractor actually cultivating or, or seeding or something. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> the, the seeding part to drive the tractor. <laughs> I've never driven like a, a real big tractor. I've like driven like tiny ones. So like that sounds exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, it has it has its charms. I'm, I, I like to say I'm the sixth or seventh best tractor driver on the farm. So I I only get a chance if everyone else is busy is already busy doing something else, and it's just it's come down to the wire. <laughs> That's great. So Kai, you've been farming for about 12 years you said earlier yeah i i came i came to the farm full-time in 2006 so whatever yeah coming on 12 13 years here um i i grew up in Juneau, alaska um 
and but my mom's side of the family is from down here. That's my uncle Dave Hedlund and um, his wife Serena Campbell are the owners and operators of, of Hedlund Farms. So I, you know, I was always aware of the farm growing up, but it, it wasn't until right as I was graduating from college and just seen a lot of connections between um, between land use and health and um, environmental consequences and and just really saw really saw an opportunity with with the family with land and transition to organic production to uh, to make a difference. Yeah. So over those 12 years, what, what are some significant changes you've seen in farming technology-wise or just different ways that your processes have changed that you've noticed? Any significant changes or differences? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, there's, you know, the, certainly um, the technological innovations in that, in that time in that time frame have been have been immense you know the you know farmers markets were some of the earliest adopters i'm aware of of, of square you know square point of sale systems um, we use a you know we use a cloud-based invoicing invoicing system there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that where we're at a you know there's um for you know for a while we use farmigo to manage our our csa subscriptions so there's a lot of there's a lot of technology that's come around that's really been tailored to to fresh market operations you know either either Kind of by luck or by um, or by design that's fit for for operations of our scale. In on the farming side of things, in in many ways we've had to you know before we were before we were a fresh market operation doing farmers markets and CSAs before I came to the farm. There was a farm stand and you know what was then a, a kind of a sweet corn and strawberry stand on the side of the road. But we also grew grew larger you know grain crops and and wholesale seed crops. So we've really had to, to intentionally scale down our, our production systems to the, to the size of market we have, right? It was really easy to, mm. to go out and, and plant 10 acres of carrots or whatever, but we, if we didn't have a market to sell that into, so we had to, we had to, to really intentionally scale down and get, a, you know, get something that could seed. Um, a seeder that would work for that scale, build, you know, build cultivation tractors, everything, you know, you, it really helps to have everything kind of set up on the same, on the same scale for the same bed width. I realize this is getting off in the weeds, so to speak, but, but it really helps. So you, if, if you have to change something over, if it takes you an hour to change something over in the height of the summer, um, just so you can start doing the job, you're, it's already too late. Mm-hmm. You really need your, your equipment dialed in and ready to go from the word go. Um, during during farmers market season, so everybody knows, um, my list, our listeners know that I'm a huge farmers market person, and so you can pretty much find me at one every weekend during starting in May all the way through September. I find the ones that go the latest, and and so one of the things is you had mentioned that sometimes you can be found, you know, selling goods at, at farmers markets. What what markets could people find you in in the Seattle metro area? Sure, we're um, we're currently. I, it's still up in the air because we've got to reapply every every year, but we will for sure be at Mercer Island this year. Um, our other one is is Mount Vernon um, up here in the Skagit Valley, which is our which is our home base. We've been at going on twenty years now, so those are the ones those are the ones I can say for sure at this point mm-hmm. um, that we'll be at. Um, you know, and and we've as we've as we've grown as a farm, we've we've dialed back our presence at farmers markets mm-hmm. and and focused a little more on on wholesale on accounts like the. Uh, like the Puget Sound Food Hub as a way to get produce down, and that's just just the reality of finding finding people up here um, that can that can do a market. It's a big it's a big job to to mount up for a for a farmers market on a given day, and and it's a big day before you sell your your first dollar of food. So we have to be pretty choosy about the about where we the ones we go to. I love it. In Mercer Island Farmers Markets on Sundays. I didn't know you guys were there. 
10, 10 to three, the green green tents about halfway okay, down. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop by and say hi from now on because I, I, I had no idea that Headland Farms is there. Headland Farms is there. Kai, I have two more questions. We have two more questions to ask you before we end the interview. Puget Sound Food Hub. You mentioned that you guys and Headland Farms. You guys are represented in farmers markets, but what are what are, what kind of what restaurants in Seattle can we find Headland Farms produce and also Puget Sound Food Hub produce? Yeah. So if you're looking for our for our produce and Puget Sound Food Hub produce in the in the Seattle area, uh, Central Co-op gets our produce. Portage Bay Cafe. Um, you can even find our green green tomatoes at at Canlis. Um, Got to put in a plug for Aslan Brewing up in Bellingham. If you find yourselves up that ways, they've been great supporters of our farm and the Puget Sound Food Hub. I hear they're working on a uh, on a kimchi Reuben right now. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with it. We'll definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks so much for sharing some places where listeners can find some of the produce. And I'm sure there might be some more listed online on the on the Puget Sound Food Hub website. Um, so we'll direct folks to that as well. Quite a bit. Yeah, our, our uh, Facebook and Facebook and Instagram are both a great place to see uh, to see restaurants, see what restaurants and other places are cooking up with our with our stuff. And I should also mention there's there's more than just produce on the Puget Sound Food Hub. We've got Lummy Island wild salmon. Cheeses from um, must be half a dozen places right now. Samish Bay has some amazing products on there. Eggs, beef, meat, more. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, Monica, so- Monica, it just gives us an excuse to go to Canlis so we can order something from the fried gre- something with green tomatoes in it. <laughs> well, we'll wait till the summer and be like, we're here for the fried green tomatoes from Heaven Park. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is a this is a food podcast, and so listeners always want to know where are we eating, what are we eating. So this question could be anything from favorite restaurants you would recommend, recipes uh, that you home cook that you want to share, particular types of cuisine that you're totally into right now, like anything. Awesome, love it. Um, you know the the dish that I'm that I'm always plugging at at farmers markets and that that I love is just kind of a real comfort food dish for me is is um is swiss chard with with bacon or or pancetta Mm -hmm. and you want to start that you want to start the stems first with a little onion and garlic separate them from the ribs and chop them chop them up into little half inch batons and um and cook that till they're tender um cook off the bacon or pancetta separately chop that up and then toss that with some fava beans in season and then drizzle a little balsamic vinegar over the top and it's just um, you can do a big, big plate of it as a as a main dish, or do it on the side as, as a side dish, and it's just one of my favorite one of my favorite things. Oh, oh that, God, sounds, that sounds awesome. that sounds you're, so you're, heavenly. Right? You're, you're a farmer and a cook. It's like so awesome. <laughs> no, not a not a cook. I, I learned early on. I, I delivering to the you know to the to the back door of, of restaurants up and around here, and and uh, I'll take the stress of the field over the stress of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Kai, thank you so much. Kai Otteson, Headland Family Farm, also part of the Puget Sound Food Hub. It's been such a pleasure. This this was such an awesome interview. Thank you so much for taking time to, to talk with us. You're, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Awesome. And that was our interview with Kai Otteson. Don't forget Puget Sound Food Hub and Headland Farms. Monica, that was a fun interview and we got to do it together. For sure. And you know what's funny is... Uh, I have to say it took me by surprise a little bit because when Kai got on the air and I heard his voice, I was like, oh my gosh, Kai should be my co-host. His radio voice, <laughs> his radio Great. voice is 
ridiculous. I mean, it's so, so good. I mean, I had heard that he had a really good radio voice, but when I heard it, I was really taken aback by it. And so um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nelson. You're the only co-host for me. Show. Now you say it. <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for listening. Tune into our next show with co-host Monica Beach and Kai Otteson for the Seattle <laughs> Podcast. Oh, man. All right. Well, that was so much fun. Monica, that was awesome. Thank you so much for holding it down and for carrying us this whole week. Yeah, it's been fun. Absolutely. No worries, Nelson. We're a team. Um, I don't feel like I did anything. I did miss you, though. But just remember, I'm going to go away in a couple of weeks or so. So we'll be flipping positions. That's right. And you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be eating everything. Everything with all my friends. All my friends. <laughs> That's okay, because you know I don't get FOMO like you. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're solid. You got ice water in your veins. Solid as a I'm rock. Totally. That's that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Stone cold. Stone cold. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much again. We appreciate all the love and happy eating Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at Seattle Foodie Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.